Well, welcome to Northridge Online Webster. We're in the room. Thankful for you. Excited to be with you today. I want to tell the story about how Drew asked me to be the campus pastor here. And he says, no, I want you to think about, pray about becoming the next campus pastor of another campus. And I'm thinking, no way, right? No way. So I've been telling him no for like two years. Like, no way, Drew, am I going to do this. But it's been kind of gnawing at my heart, right? This kind of this tension in my life. So I find myself sitting at a conference in Dallas, Texas. I'm sitting in the balcony. And I'm looking out over this huge sea of people. And a lady on stage asks this question. She says, if you know that God is coming back in 10 years, if you knew it for sure that God would come back in 10 years and look you in the face, what would you do today? If you knew that Jesus would be back in 10 years and look you in the face, what would you do today? And there was a bunch of answers, right? Start an orphanage, start adopting kids, stop sex trafficking. A lot of great answers. But in my heart, the one that popped up was plant a church. And I've always kind of dreamed of it, I've thought of it, but it's never been the, the right time or the right place or the right people. And I've always kind of like, okay, put it on the back burner, right? And so Planted Church was on my heart, and it's gnawing at my heart. I don't know if you've ever been wrestling with God in a moment where you've been, I don't know, maybe you're pulled over really for a speeding ticket, and you're like, Lord, help me, you know? Or maybe it's just a, a moment of a, a bad diagnosis, and you're like, Lord, I need you in this moment. But I was wrestling with God, and I didn't know what to do. It was gnawing at my heart. And you're kind of looking over this precipice of faith, and you're, you're looking into the anxiety and the unknown and the craziness of what this decision would cause in your life and the discomfort that comes along with that. And you're just like, God, I'm not sure if I should take this next step or not. I'm not sure. I'm going to leave us there. I'm going to leave myself there and my anxiety-ridden self and come back to that in a minute. But welcome to week two. This is our series called Mountain Mover. And we're talking about the four places where Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith. And so we're looking at the second place in Matthew where Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith. And it's in Matthew 8. You can follow along on the app or in your notes. There's a booklet that got, you got. And there's like a bunch of stuff to follow along. If you want to follow on your phone, however you do it. Um, if you're a paper person, good for you. There's also behind me on the screen. You can follow along there. But um, last week we talked about the first place in Matthew where Jesus said, Oh, you of little faith. This is the second place. Matthew 8, 23. And Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says... Guys, um, don't stop short of total devotion to God. Whatever you do, don't stop short of total devotion to God. We want to love him with our whole heart. And then he says, all right, everybody in a boat. We're going to get in a boat, go across the Sea of Galilee, recuperate and rest on the other side. And so the way I can explain this is big waves, little boat, lots of guys, right? Big waves, little boat, lots of guys. If you have like intrusive thoughts and they're invading and you've thought, I wonder if Jesus, what would happen if Jesus was on the Titanic? This is the message for you, right? This is if Jesus was on the Titanic. So, I mean, I thought about naming this, this sermon Jesus, Jack, and Rose, but I felt like, you know, it just it didn't fit right. It didn't fit, so it's for such a time as this. But if Jesus was on the Titanic, this is what would happen, all right? So, um, flip with me, Matthew 8, 23. It says, Then they got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. I don't know how he's asleep. I, I'm thinking of him like bouncing off the ribs of the boat. You know, I don't know. I, I can't sleep. I have a hard time sleeping. Anybody else? Melatonin monkeys in the room. Anybody else? Sleeper, tough to sleep. Okay, nobody. All right. It's fine. Um, so Jesus said it was sleeping. And the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, this is our, story. This is our, our sentence. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and he rebuked the waves, and it was completely calm. Completely calm. 
And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? That he would rebuke the wind and the waves and even those would obey him. I think the first thing that sticks out of this passage is the miracle, right? It's like he rebukes the wind and the waves and it was completely calm. You could feel a pin drop on that ocean. You know, it's crazy. Um, and, and I think with the disciples, they're fighting for control. They're drowning, right? They say, well, Lord, help us. We're going to drown. And then Jesus comes and saves them. And I feel like it's interesting because it's their last resort. It's not the first thing they run to is Jesus. It's like the last, they're like, they're fishermen. We can do this. We'll row through this storm. And then all of a sudden they're going to drown and they realize they need Jesus. And I feel like the first point in, in the day's messages, when we realize who God is, we realize he controls the outcome. When you realize who God is, you realize he controls the outcome. I know it hasn't taken me long to realize I don't have as much control in life as I think I do. Life drives us sometimes. And I don't know, you don't know what will happen. You step out of here, when you take your next breath, when you walk home today, you're, I just, you don't know where you'll be. And I don't have as much control as I think I do. And so the, the, the disciples in this story realized they needed to be obedient and trust God with the outcome. And I think it's a, a very applicable message for us to be obedient and trust God with the outcome. And there, in that, there's two Two feelings I get because in one side it feels great, right? Ah, oh, yes, I can trust God with the outcome. I don't have to worry about the outcome. He's in control. That feels great. But then on the other side, I can't control all these things, right? I can't control my kids and I can't control the situations and I can't control my life and I don't know what will happen to me tomorrow and I can't control the diagnosis and I can't control the diseases. Those are in my control. So there's this terrifying side of faith and there's this relieving side of faith when you trust God with the outcome. But I love how the disciples are like, all right, let's call on Jesus. We'll hope that he comes through for us. And this is a word for somebody today. Somebody is fighting with storms. They're drowning. They're working towards God, but they haven't asked Jesus to help, right? Somebody is fighting to control the life that they want to live on their own. They want to make it happen for themselves, and they want to make their life the way they, they see it, the vision in their mind's eye, but they haven't asked Jesus for help. And he's in the bottom of your boat. Just reach out to him. Ask him for help. He's coming to save us. He would calm the storms for you. He sees you where you're at. So maybe that's you. Maybe you have a storm going on in life and you're just like, Lord, I need you. Today needs to be the day that you reach out to God and wake him up and help to help you in your midst of your storm. He's willing to ask. He's willing to help if we're willing to ask. And the disciples just said, Lord, help us. And he calms the storms. No big deal. Come on. Yeah. Um, Help me out. So I, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not of the, the same preaching style as everyone else. So if you hear something good, I need a clap, a snap, a stomp, whatever you do to like help me out. Yeah. If there's something that you hear that you're like, all right, I feel good about it. Great. If there's something you're like, ah, that's not so good. Give me like a, uh, a boo, whatever you do, to, uh, you know, however you dis- express disgust, I'm excited to hear that as well. So follow along with me. Help me out. I need some energy in the room. So the second thing I, I think we hear is, God is with us not because of where we are, but because of who he is. The storms are just as big, right? It doesn't matter. Our God is with us. And it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter how far we go. It doesn't matter what the storm looks like around us. In verse 27, it says, The men were amazed and asked, What kind of a man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus never says that the wind won't be, won't be bad. He never says that the waves won't be big. But he says that he will be with us. He says that he will be by our side. And the problem is, I get so busy looking at the wind and the waves in my life, I get so busy trying to control the circumstances in my life, that I miss the God who controls them all. I miss looking to the creator of the wind and the waves beyond them. He says that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, you know how small that is? 
that we can say to a mountain, move, and it'll move. We have faith this big, we can say to a mountain, move, and it'll move. So the second thing I think is, if we, we don't trust God because of where we are, but because of who he is. And then the third thing I see in this passage, and this is the most challenging part, so be ready to be challenged, like pull, pull up your bootstraps, we're going in, right? So this is the third thing, and it says, why are you so afraid? In verse 26, he replied, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? If Jesus controls the outcome, if we know Jesus controls the outcome, and we know that we can trust him for who he is and not for where we are, then why are we so afraid? Why do we live in fear? We run from things. We're afraid. And I feel like this question gets at the heart of faith because my greatest fears, the things that I'm most afraid of, are the things that it's the hardest for me to trust God with. And that's true for all of us, right? Whatever you're most afraid of, whatever you clench, whatever you close your fist on, whatever you're grasping at, is the thing that you have the hardest time trusting God with. The thing that's holding you back from faith in God. It's the thing that we won't give to him because we're afraid that we might lose control of that object, right? It might be your kids, it might be your job, it might be your family, it might be your retirement. Whatever it is for you, whatever you're afraid might happen is the hardest thing for you to trust God with. Yeah, come on. And so let's take, take me back to I'm sitting in Dallas, Texas. And I'm going to be real, right? I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be open. This is not um, a, a perfect person on display up here in front of you. I have a lot of fears. And so I'm going to talk you through some of those fears. So I immediately feel this plant a church call, right? What if you're going to do, what are we going to do if God's coming back in 10 years? Plant a church. But then my mind starts going. And I don't know about you, but I start to think these things, these doubts start to come into my mind. And so some of them kind of went like this, like, we already had a Henrietta campus. It doesn't exist anymore. You know? There was, Elam tried to make this church that we bought a campus. It didn't work. Who, what makes you think you're going to be any different? What makes you think you could do any better? You're too young. You don't have experience. Aaron was a better preacher than you were, and he was a campus pastor at that point. <laughs> Come on. That's real fear, right? What am I doing? You're going to fail publicly. You're going to risk your reputation. Take a pay cut. Walk away from NYA, something good, something you're leading. Why do you think this is going to work for you? You're being successful. Just stay where you're at. It's working so well for you. Why would you kill something good? Why would you take a risk? You're a prideful sinner, and everybody knows it. Everybody sees you for who you are. You grew up with these people. I don't know about you, but those fears, those doubts, they start to set in, and it gets a lot harder to trust God. My faith starts to get real shaky when I start to be afraid, right? When those fears start to eat into my mind, so I'm sitting there just quaking in my boots. You know, I'm just like, Lord, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm so scared, but I'm so excited, and I don't know. And so I don't know if you've felt that before. And some of you guys voted no to this. Some of the people that are sitting in these seats are like, no, this, these, are, these are good points you're making here. Come on, I mean, I'm liking this, these points you're making. That's exactly why I voted no to this. And I realized that. I realized that. That's the truth. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm agreeing with you. I, I hear all these great points you have. Um, but the one thing that changed my perspective, changed the whole game for me, 
was I started to pray. And when you start to pray, my circumstances didn't change. The fear was just as real. It was just as scary. It was just as crazy. But my perspective changed. My, my, my prayer started to change my perspective. And my fears and my storms and the waves and the wind were just as big. The, there's just as much work to be done in Brighton. There's just as many walls to take out. And there's just as many people to save in Brighton. And it's not going to be easy. But... My God is bigger, and he controls the wind and the waves. He's bigger than the storms in our lives. And when you start to gain perspective on who he is, not where you are, it starts to change the way you think about your fear. You start to have faith that's greater than your fear. And so my circumstances didn't change, but my perspective did. And so I'm going to ask you the same question. I want to flip it on you. If you know that Jesus is coming back in 10 years, if you knew it for sure, that you'd see him face to face, and you'd say, Lord, here's what I did in my, in my days on earth. What would you do today? If you knew for sure you'd see Jesus face to face, what would you do today? Who would you call? Who would you text? Who would you reconcile with? Who do you need to get lunch with? Who would you pray with? Who do you share the gospel with? What opportunities are you missing? Who are you walking past every day that God wants you to look up and see? Where would you be if you knew God wanted you to see him face to face in 10 years? What would your faith look like if it was greater than your fear? What would you do if you had no fear if your faith was big enough to trust God for who he is, not for where you are. I mean, we were all made to be in this place at this time in this auditorium. If you're hearing my voice, you were made to hear my voice. You were made for such a time as this. You were given gifts. You were given opportunity. You were given time. You were given a place to see God. And I want to challenge you to use that to the best of your ability what legacy do we want to leave? Where do we want to walk away and say, God, this is what we did with the unique gifts and skills you gave us. And then I have a next step for all of us. We all have a next step sitting in here. Everybody in here has a next step in their faith, in their faith journey. And the next step is to saturate Rochester with the gospel. If you're sitting in here, we do not want to live anything short of saturating our area with the gospel, right? This place needs the gospel. I don't know if you've been around. Our murders per capita are up. It's a very dark place. We need the gospel to penetrate the areas around Rochester and to change lives with the word of God. We can't do it on our own. It's God's church, and we need him to make a difference. So this is a call to saturate Rochester with the gospel, right? This is a call to go. It's a call to give. It's a call to stretch. It's a call to sacrifice, to saturate Rochester with the gospel. Rochester needs God's church to step up. And you might be thinking, man, I don't know if, I, if that's whatever my next step is in saturating. Whatever, what does that mean for me? And that's up to you. I want you to pray about it. I've been praying about on this message that it would call you to your next step in the church. And so it's one thing to say, yeah, I trust you, God. I trust you. I, you know, I know that you have control. I know, I know that you're in control. I trust you. But it's a totally different thing to have faith and to believe it and to step out and to sacrifice and to saturate register the gospel. It takes a sacrifice. It takes getting uncomfortable. It takes taking a risk. I don't know about you, but it's, it's, it's challenging, convicting to think about God didn't make it, not making me for comfort. He made me to be dangerous for the gospel. How many of us have been dangerous for the gospel? We're so comfortable that we sit back, we relax, we find our seat. Maybe you've been coming for six months or a year. You found a nice seat. You settled in. You know where your parking spot is. You know it's good. You like to see Drew live. You like to see him in his skinny jeans up here walking around, right? And you're like, I can't go to Brighton. I can't saturate Rochester with the gospel. I can't give that up. I'm not willing to be uncomfortable. What are you talking about, Noah? I'm challenging you, right? 
is this not about being dangerous for the gospel? Is this not about reaching new people? Is this not about reaching our world for something bigger than ourselves? Like, man, we got to live for something greater than ourselves. The storms of life pale in comparison to the creator of the world. And yet we're still afraid to trust him with our time and with our money and with our comfort. And so if you go back to me at the conference, I see, all right, Lord, you want me to plant a church? All right, Lord, I'm in. I, I feel you. I get you. Oh, man, I'm super scared. I don't know if I can do that, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't preach like Aaron. I can't do that. So then I'm in this place where, like, do I trust God or do I fall to my fear? Do I trust God? Do I have faith in him or do I fall to my fear? And I said, all right, Lord, if, if, if you want me to do this, I'm all in. Right? This is your life, not mine. I surrender. I give it up. I'll take a pay cut. I'll go do what you're asking me to do. I'll do something hard for the gospel. And so I texted Drew that night. I said, Drew, hey, look. I, I, I'm in. Whatever it takes, we're going to get that building, I think, you know, and he's like, well, we haven't bid on it. I'm like, we're going to get it. Don't worry about it. Like, God's got that. And then we, we ended up, you know, offering low, and we still got it, right? But, but Drew, yeah, okay. But anyways, um, man, we did, you know, I texted Drew. I said, look, I'm going to take a step. I'm going to walk with you in faith. Um, and then the next morning, I wake up, and I was like, oh, Paige, I texted Drew, and uh, we're going to go to launch this campus, and she's like, oh, great, we're going to work for the church for $5,000 a year for the rest of our lives, you know, it's fine, it's, it's no big deal, you know, whatever, and we actually, we talk more about that on the podcast, but we came to the decision together, for sure, but it was definitely, uh, sometimes you have this conviction, and I told Paige, I said, if I didn't send that text that night, my faith would have evaporated. I feel like I don't know if I could have sent the text in the morning. I don't know if I could have waited 10 hours. And so I'm going to give us all a chance to take a next step here today because if, if your faith is calling you to something greater, you got to take that step now. You can't wait. When you start to wait, the fear starts to set in. You don't know. I don't know if I could have sent that text the next morning. And the interesting thing was when I was sending that text, it didn't feel like I was sending it to Drew. I felt like I was obeying God. Right? It didn't feel like just another text message. This was obedience to God. This was me saying, yes, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm in for your glory. And so we all have a chance to take a next step to saturate Rochester with the gospel today. And, and we, we should be excited about that opportunity. I love it, right? We all, get to, we all get to share the gospel. We all get to give time and money. We all get to build God's church. And I can stand up here and give this awesome talk, and you guys, oh, yeah, whatever, yeah, let's go, you know, and get all hyped up, and we can all get excited about the gospel. But really, the, 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 the reason why we're all here is because of Jesus. And when you look at what he says, it's not our church that we're building. It's not Northridge Church that we're building. This is God's church, right? And he says it won't fail. So if you look at it in Matthew 16, 15 through 20, he said to them, Jesus talking to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. This is not Noah will build his church, this is not Drew will build his church, this is not Northridge will build their church. This is Jesus will build his church. No matter what we say, no matter what we do, no matter where we go, we just get to play a small part. We should be honored that we get to play a small part in what God is doing in Rochester. It doesn't matter. Like, we can either go or we can stay. Right? God could use us or he cannot. You, know, you don't have to be involved, but God's going to plant and build his church either way. God's going to use his church to make a difference in this world because he promised it in his word. 
He says, I will give you the keys to heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The rock of the church is the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And he promises, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not stand against it. He promises us that his church will be built, regardless of whether we're involved or whether we're not. And the next step today is who wants to build the church, God's church in Brighton? Who wants to help us, partner with us, to build a church in Brighton? Who wants to take the gospel somewhere new, saturate Rochester with the gospel in a new area, meet some new neighbors, take some more ground for the kingdom? Who wants to get outside your comfort zone and make a difference? If you're a follower of Christ, he commands us to go. It's not a choice, right? It says, go, making disciples of all nations. When was the last time that you were a goer for the gospel? When was the last time you stepped up, stepped out, took a risk, and were a goer for the gospel? A lot of times it's easy to stay back and stay comfortable and sit back and relax and enjoy the ride. But I'm telling us to go. John Piper says it this way. I love John Piper. He's one of my favorites. And he says, you have three choices. You can go, you can send, or you can disobey. You can go, you can send, or you can disobey. Are you going to go? Are you going to send? Are you going to disobey God? If you're going, we need people to step up to take leadership roles, to walk with God, to challenge kids in their walk with God. If you're sending, we need volunteers here to step up, to backfill, to, to make places and spaces for people. If, you, if, if we have all of the people all leave and go to Brighton, we'd have nobody on camera too. We'd be pointing over here by the, by the base. And if you'd have four, fourth and fifth grade roam in the lobby, they'd be stuffing their cheeks with donuts. You know what I mean? If we don't have people step up to serve here, there would be I mean, babies crawling around the auditorium. I mean, I can't, you know, it'd be chaos, mayhem, right? Mayhem. So we've got to have people step up to send, and we've got to have people step up to go. We need to reach the world. You were made for this. You were created for this. We were designed for this. We've got to go. We've got to serve. God gave you gifts and he put you on, earth, on this earth for a purpose. He's looking to use you to change the world. He doesn't need you, but he wants to use you. He doesn't need our help, but he wants to use us to make a difference. And if, our, if we don't start to care about this city, I don't know who will. I mean, I understand this is a dark place and we need to start caring about the people around us. Let's be dangerous for the gospel. Let's take a risk for the gospel. Let's have faith that's greater than our fear. Let's not be scared. Let's trust the God who's greater than our storms, who's greater than our waves. Let's get out of our own way. Let's take some ground, right? This is not about us. This is about discomfort for our Lord and our Savior. Let's start speaking Jesus over our city, over Brighton, over our area. I mean, what are you afraid of? What are we afraid of? What's holding us back? What are you scared of? Why won't you go? Why won't you step up? Why won't you serve? There's faith that's bigger than our fear. There is. We got a God who's bigger than our waves. He's got our back and we can hold his hand through the storms of our lives. He controls the outcome. He's calling the shots and he's calling you to obey. And we gotta, we got to either go, send, or disobey. So which one are you going to do? Are you going to go, are you going to send, or are you going to disobey? Who's tired of rowing? Who's tired of drowning? Who's tired of fighting it for their control on their own? Who's trying to make it happen for themselves? Who's, who needs to just relax and trust God with the outcome? And leave the outcome to God and be obedient in the in-between. Who needs to just release their expectations for how God will move? 
Who's tired of losing campuses? Who's tired of losing ground? Who's tired of taking L's? Come on, let's make a difference. Let's plant a campus. Let's step up, right? He made you for this. He made us to be alive for this. This is why we exist. Let's make a difference. It's time to wake Jesus up for our storm. It's time to wake Jesus up for our Brighton. We need it. So this is the moment that we've all been waiting for. This is the golden buzzer moment. I don't know if you watch AGT, but this is a golden buzzer moment, all right? So this is an all play, even roaming camera guy. Pull out your phone. So if you haven't got it out already, pull out your phone. This is the all play. I don't know yet. Whatever you do, um, we're all going to go to Iwant.info. And everybody has a next step, right? It might be to pray. It might be to partner with us in prayer. And if if you're praying, I'm not saying, okay, this can't be a small commitment to prayer. This has got to be like 10, 15 minutes of like hardcore prayer. I'm not saying you check the box for prayer because it's like the least, it's the lowest bar, right? It's like, oh, I'll pray, you know? No, 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 no. This is the, the highest bar is prayer. And we should all be praying for this. So go to iwant.info. Don't click the button yet, right? We're going to do it all together, all right? So this is an all play. Everybody get your phone out and then we're going to go to iwant.info and we're going to click the button at the same time together. But if you're, and then the second step is to serve. If you're in here and you need to step up and serve, I want to challenge you. We have places that we need you to make a difference. We have kids' lives you need to make a difference in. We have a next generation you need to invest in. We have a church that needs you to play your part, to use your gifts, to challenge the world around us. He needs you to share, to invite your friends, to take a step towards him. And if you have a missional outpost in your area, use that to your advantage. Leverage that. And then if maybe you're someone who's thinking about going, if you live anywhere near Brighton, if you live within 15 minutes, or if you know someone who does, or if you're interested in church planting at all, you've got to check the box that says, I'm interested in more information about Brighton. We'll follow up with you. We'll help you take your next step. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't let your fear get in the way of you taking a next step. Don't get in the way of following God. Obey him today and trust him with the outcome. I know how easy it is to not take the next step because I'm too scared tomorrow. To take it today. Walk with God today. If you don't have a phone, you can stop by next and you could take the next step there. And, but if you want to, I'm just challenging you to walk with us in faith as we challenge our city to come alive, to take, a, take some ground, to plant the flag, to climb a hill, to make a difference, and not to live for ourselves today, but to live for something bigger than ourselves. So this is it, all right? I'm going to give you a three, two, one countdown. There'll be a one-minute timer on the screen. We're going to all do this together, and we're going to just flood the system with these requests for next steps and flood the system with faith, all right? So if you're there, if you're all at iwant.info, get your phones out, and I'm going to count us down from three, and then we're going to hit that button, and we're going to go crazy for the gospel. We're going to see him take some ground and bright, and we're going to be excited about the results that we get to watch unfold in our city, because who is planting campuses? Who is making more space for people? Who needs to give up your seat to go to to meet somebody new, and to create space for someone who you don't know, from someone's family. All right, three, two, one, hit that button, hit that button, hit that button.